Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Hello, and welcome to Love, Lead, Listen. If you're like me, finances and financial planning isn't something I'm an expert in, but today's guest is. Niv Prasad is an Atlanta-based certified financial planner with over 20 years of finance experience. Niv's insights on money and life can be found in Forbes, Reuters, CNBC, Money, USA Today, and many more publications. She's a graduate of the Georgia Institute of Technology, where she is a member of the Gamma Phi chapter. Niv, welcome. Thank you, Emily. It's such an honor to be part of the podcast. I'm so happy you're here, and I'm so excited to talk about everything finances and financial planning with you today. So to start off, can you explain to me what is financial planning and how did you get into it? Yeah, sure. Great question. And it's, and it's really a wonderful lead in because I do think about like, how did I actually get onto this path of financial planning? And it's not like conventional. There wasn't like a financial planning degree or anything like there. There are now, but back when I was going through it, there wasn't anything at all. But um, so I think what really started is that I was always sort of a planner, a planner for my lifestyle. So my parents, you know, like all good parents, they had you plan about your education. Like, where are you going to college? Da, 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 da. So I started thinking about, you know, more than that. I started thinking about, well, what do I really want from life? And maybe not in those terms, but I was thinking, oh, I want to have like three vehicles. I'm going to have a pickup truck. I'm going to have a sports car. And I started thinking about where I wanted to travel, what kind of home I wanted. And probably a lot of it was probably came about because I used to watch Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. It was like a show that was on years ago. And so it just got me dreaming, daydreaming. And so I started thinking, well, gosh, to fund that type of lifestyle. I need to have the the money to do so. And so really early on in my career, when I graduated from Georgia Tech, financial planning wasn't as known as it is now. And, um, and I guess I just started planning my life and thinking about what I wanted. And to do that, to do what I wanted, I needed to be astute about my financial management. So I was doing it, I guess, personally for myself first before I got into the career. That's so interesting. So it sounds like you you really thought of it as the end result versus where you were starting. That's correct. I was looking at where I wanted to be. So I wanted to get from point A to point B. So how was I going to get there? So what exactly is financial planning? When you say you wanted to get from point A to point B, what does that mean in financial planning terms? Yeah, absolutely. And so, and it's really a great question because a lot of times, Emily, when people talk about financial planning, what they're thinking about is just the investment side. And that's only one part of it because really a true comprehensive financial plan is going to look at your assets, your debt, your income, your expenses. It's also going to take into protection, things such as income protection, your asset protection, estate planning. These were like the what if scenarios. And it it helps you to start defining what you really want from life. And so a good comprehensive financial plan is going to take all those things into consideration and then help you devise a plan going from point A to point B. So it's more than just investments. I always think of stock markets, bonds when I think of financial planning, but you're saying it's more than that. 
It is because a lot of times, so it's kind of hard to think about, you know, it's hard to think about like investing for the long term or so when you really don't know what you're investing for. And so that's where it's important to think about your lifestyle. And so, you know, like I mentioned, the comprehensive financial plan, it helps you identify what those lifestyle um, and a lot of times it's phrased in this question, what are your financial goals? And Many times people don't know what their financial goals are. They know that, oh, I need to save for retirement. Oh, I think I need to save for my kids' college. But you really have to probe a little bit about how you expect your lifestyle to be. And that's where I use a concept called the five keys of life that I created. And it looks at these five key areas of life and just ask questions about how you envision this particular segment of life. So the five keys are personal relationship, personal finance, profession, peace of mind, and physical health. And so when you think about your personal relationships, you think about, oh gosh, well, I'd like to have lunch with my friends on a weekly basis, or, you know, I think I want to have a huge wedding when I get married, or maybe, you know, you're thinking, well, gosh, I want to um, have a lot of kids. And so a lot of these decisions you're making about your lifestyle there's a cost involved with it, especially with kids. It costs what the average cost, I think, is 233000 a year, right? Oh, my gosh. That's so much. <laughs> yeah. And it's like for personal finance, you think about, you know, do I have enough? Am I generating enough income or do I need a side hustle? You know, and so all these are part of the equation in your profession. It might be something like, you know what? I do want to work hard and maybe have kids later. Well, then you have to think about the cost for IVF and um, infertility costs. And so not that you're going to have everything planned out, but at least it's going to help you think about where you want to be. And then it allows you to focus a little bit more on your finances. So it's easier to save for things in the future when you know, well, gosh, I think I'm going to have kids later on. So let's just save just in case I need IVF, which could cost up to $8,000. And so um, let's say for that, instead of buying another pair of shoes, you know, so it life's just about choices. So when you have that plan and you think about like what I said, the five P's of life, you're thinking about all these different aspects of life, personal relationship, your personal finance, your profession, your peace of mind, your physical health, and you're kind of quantifying how much money you need. And that's really essentially your financial goals. So it's a lot more than just saving for retirement or saving for your kid's education. Yes. I love that holistic way that you look at it. And especially considering in the life of a woman that you have to consider those family planning pieces as part of that financial plan and even just career or same thing for a car, going back to college, stuff like that. I love that you think of it so holistically. Yeah, absolutely. But when you think of it that way, the holistic um, way, Emily, it, it seems more real. You know, it's not just saving for a number. And and I know there's commercials like, what's your number? And all that, which is fine. But I think as women, it helps us to have something more tangible. And not just women. I think most people, it would, you know, it makes more sense to have something more tangible that they're striving for. And, you know, one of the things is that, you know, with women today, we've 
we have so many different roles and more and more women are, you know, they make the same amount of money as their spouses or partner, or they even make more money. And so women are really driving the lifestyle for their family. You know, they're planning where they live, where they vacation. They're making decisions regarding what restaurant they're going to eat at, where they're buying their groceries. If the kids go to private school or public school, So women are the decision makers. They have been, but it's becoming more and more noticeable in a lot of areas. And so, you know, we're all women with purpose. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question. You've answered this a little bit, but when I think of financial planning, I really typically think of men in suits and a very masculine field. But why is financial planning and finances important for women to consider? economically and historically, women have not had access to finances and different institutions of finances the same way that men have. But we live in a different world now. And like you said, we're making just as much money as husbands in a lot of cases or men in a lot of cases. Why does it matter for women now? It's even more so, and mainly because we are the decision makers on so many things of the lifestyle. And, you know, historically in the past, it would be where, you know, the male or the spouse is the breadwinner and the female takes care of the kids, the household and all that, but they didn't really get involved with the money part. And historically, women talking about money, you just didn't it didn't happen. And I still remember having conversations with some of my sorority sisters, and I'm kind of ancient compared to you. But, um, you know, even back then, people really didn't talk about like what your starting salary was or what you negotiated. And I think that's more of a hindrance for us as a gender versus helping, because really, if we share information, we can, you know, help the benefit of all of us, you know, like, especially if we understand how to negotiate a salary increase and things like that. So going to your question, like, why is it important? Women are living longer. We are the decision makers and women are spending. We will probably spend more time as a single versus men because like more women are waiting to get married until later on. So we have that when we graduate, we have our income. And then, you know, there's divorce that happens, but then also the men are dying, you know, they die a lot earlier than women. So we did, we just have this large aspect of our life where we're single. So, you know, let's be self-sufficient. So if I'm interested in financial planning and I came to you and said, Niv, I want to start my financial planning journey. How does it work? How would we get started? How does that process take place? Right. And so a lot of times it's um, the information that you provide for your financial planner that helps them decide or come up with a plan for you. So what the key thing that you'll need to provide for a financial advisor is information about what you want. And this goes to your lifestyle, right? Because most financial planners, they'll ask you when you want to do a financial plan, what's your, what's your financial goals? Well, you have to think about what your lifestyle is. You know, I'd like to do international travel, if we ever open up again, Um, international travel, you know, at least, you know, once a year, I'd like to have a big trip once every five years. So all that costs money. So start thinking about those specifics, because when you have the information about how you want to live your lifestyle, they can help you kind of, you know, focus on what your savings needs to be. So when you're starting off historically, Emily, you used to have, uh, before you could work with a financial advisor, you had to have a 
a large amount of money that was available to invest because the financial advice and the financial plan was offered at no cost because in turn, the financial advisor would have your money to invest in. Because you always have to think about how do people generate money, right? So how are they generating their income? Unless you're working with a 501c3, nothing's for free. They're getting their money somehow. So um, I always tell people, you know, figure out where's the money coming from, and then you'll know whether or not they really have your best interest at heart. So, but the way that um, that the industry has shifted is that now there are advisors, planners like myself that'll offer a financial plan at a flat fee. So it doesn't matter if you have $5,000 or if you have $150,000, you know, um, you pay a flat fee and then you get a financial plan. The process can take, you know, several weeks. It depends on the individual. So for instance, for my plans, it takes four to six weeks once you give me all the information. But, you know, like a full financial plan, um, you're talking about spending in, in the thousands for it. Now, some offer, like I have a financial checkup, which is only 550 and it allows you access to my online portal where you upload your information. And then we kind of go through a checklist of things that you should have in order. And it gives you an idea whether you're on track or if you need to make some adjustments. So. If when somebody's looking for a financial plan or advice on their finances, number one, check the credentials of the person because it's so important and look for like a national credentials. I think some some firms have their own credentials that they use, but you want to have someone a national credential. So I'm a certified financial planner. CFP is really a great credential to look for. That just means there's additional training. There's also fiduciary requirements and ethics, all this sort of stuff. So that really helps. Um, The other thing is understand how they're compensated. And so if it's a flat fee, that's, you know, that's, that's fine. That's great. Just make sure there's no add-ons or anything like that. You know, so just ask the questions, just be wise. And so once you check the credentials, you find out how, you know, what the cost is and what you will get, make sure you understand what you will receive. And then you can make your decision to, to work with that person. Okay. So definitely research first and then find someone that you think would be good and is credentialed to help you create a financial plan. Right, right. And then, you know, a lot of it is the communication too, Emily, because, you know, does this person really understand? Do they get you? Do they understand what you want from life? Because, you know, it's no more, not everybody wants to get married, have 2.5 kids and live in the suburbs and have two vehicles. That's just not life. You know, a lot of us, we, we don't care to have a corner office anymore. And then with the pandemic, we've learned that we can actually work from home. You like the at home office. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, we're, we want flexibility in our life. And, and I know people talk about financial flexibility, but it really means like how you have your money set up and your access to money. And I think there's a, an insurance firm that talks about financial flexibility, but that's not the same thing. I'm talking about, you know, having access to your money when you want it and having your money set aside for your future spending. So when you get that financial plan or when you give someone a financial plan, what are some of the elements of it? What would someone expect to see from a financial plan? 
Oh, great question. The key thing is addressing what your lifestyle goals are. You know, like for instance, you know, if you are looking to send your kids to private school, for instance, then you want to make sure that's addressing the plan. And that's why it's so clear upfront to talk to that financial advisor or planner about what you want in that plan. So you will see more than likely a net worth statement. So that's going to look at your assets and your debt. You'll also have an analysis of your income as well as your taxes. And then because the tax implications, because, you know, you can generate a hundred thousand, but if you're in the 25% tax bracket, your take home pay is less, you know, the money that you can actually spend. So you need a budget that works towards that take home pay because you can't forget the taxes. <laughs> right. Exactly. So more than likely, they'll look at your income, the tax implications, and also your expenses. Then they'll address things as part of your savings goals, like what are you trying to save for? And usually there's a retirement segment and then asset protection, which is your insurance, like whether or not you need life insurance, do you have adequate car insurance, home insurance, and then for a comprehensive plan, you'll also have estate planning in there. So whether you need a will, guardianship, how assets should be titles. So it's a lot. I know. <laughs> it's a lot, but it's all important things. <laughs> it is. But you know what? A financial plan is just so important, Emily, especially like if you have a high student loan debt. And so I do work with a lot of young attorneys and young physicians who are carrying this enormous amount of debt. And you don't want that debt to stop you from living life. And so you have to figure out how do you manage it, you know, and that's where the financial plan is, is really ideal, you know, for, um, people that have just recently graduated, you can think about it in college, you had a course curriculum, right? That told you exactly what courses to take in order to get your degree, right? So think of your financial plan as kind of like your plan for life. It tells you which path to take to get from point A to point B in order to accomplish what you want, which is your lifestyle. When you're in college, what you were trying to accomplish was the degree. I love thinking about it in that way, but now I'm kind of curious of what happens when you reach that first goal. So how should my financial plan evolve as my life evolves or my life carries on? A great, great question. Because, you know, life is always, always evolving and changing. That's what makes it interesting, right? <laughs> but um, one of the things to keep in mind that your plan is usually three to five years out, because within that three to five years, something's going to change. Whether you graduate from grad school, get married, expand your family, maybe have to take care of an elderly parent. You know, life is always changing and evolving. And so the good rule of thumb is every three to five years, update your financial plan. And you know what? It's no different than a lot of businesses. They have a strategic plan and that's typically updated every three to five years. So look at your financial plan like your, your strategy. It's a great way for you to have those discussions with your partner or your spouse, because a lot of times, you know, when you start when you're in a relationship, it's not just about what you want. You know, of course, it's always about what I want. But um, <laughs> in my relationship, no, but it is, it's a joint effort. So you have to have those conversations and open because I can tell you, there's so many times when I talk to couples and they're getting close to retirement and one spouse has a completely different idea about retirement than the other spouse. So sometimes I am like a marriage counselor. <laughs> Extra skills you just Extra throw in there, skills. right? Yeah. <laughs> well, money's personal. Yeah, it absolutely is. 
I like that idea, though, of only looking at it in three to five year terms because life changes. Pandemics happen. You never know. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You never know what life is going to throw at you. Right. And you can't plan for everything. We don't have a crystal ball. But the thing is that at least if you have some sort of plan, it at least gives you a place to pull from and and and. You know, a lot of people found that out with this pandemic, especially if they didn't have an emergency reserve, you know, and so and if they all of a sudden lost their job or not as busy as they were in the past or if they're commission based, that's when the emergency reserve is really important. Yes, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about those pieces that get you to where you want to be in your financial plan. So investments, stocks, money market funds, all of those pieces and big words and some for some people <laughs> that you don't really know. I know Robinhood has been a very popular app recently for people to start trading and getting into the stock market. But for the most part, I feel like a lot of people, younger people especially, just have no clue what these things are. Right. So, so think of like a stock as an, it's a part of a company. It's just one piece of a company and really to have a diversified portfolio. And I know I threw out another term and I'll come back to it. You need to have at least 150,000 in, in money that you can invest in different stocks. So when you think about a stock, think of like your wardrobe and you just have one pair of black pants. That's a great start, but you got nothing. You can't really go out, right? (laughs) You need a top. You need some shoes. Yeah, you need accessories and all that. So that's when, you know, when people sit there and they think, oh, well, I'm just going to buy a stock. It doesn't work that way. You, You have to own a little bit more, just like when you have a wardrobe. You can't just have one black pants and think, that you've got it made. And then, um, so that's where mutual funds come into play. So mutual funds allow you to participate with other people and you own multiple stocks in different companies. So another way to think of it is, um, so think of like rent the runway. Okay, so rent the one runway. The concept is you can't really own those designer clothing because you don't have $3,000 to just throw on a blouse. So you share that cost by renting it for a certain period of time. But because many people participate, you're able to benefit from having that blouse. So with the mutual funds, you don't rent it. You actually own the piece of the mutual fund, but because many people are participating in it, you're able to seem like you have a full wardrobe or a full stock portfolio when you really don't. Does that kind of make sense? That does. Yeah. So you're not fully owning something, but you're partly owning it, which gives you the ability to own it at all. Right. Right. So the mutual funds, it's a great start, you know, start doing in like a balanced fund, mutual fund. And then when you build up to about 10,000, you can start, you know, switching into different mutual funds, but you've got to start somewhere. And then I know I threw out that term diversified. And so um, actually this pandemic is a great example of diversification. So a lot of people who are used to working all the time, you have like work clothing. And so your closet was filled with, and I'm going back to clothes. It's just kind of an easy analogy. I love clothes. So we're good. (laughs) Right. So when you went into your closet, there was just all work clothing. You didn't have 
loungewear or anything like that. You may have had a little bit. So your closet wasn't diversified. It just allowed you to go to that one occasion. So a closet, you want it to have diversification. You want loungewear. You want dress-up clothing. You want, you know, work clothes. You want church clothes, all this kind of stuff. Those are all different things that you want to have in your closet. In your portfolio, you want to have own um, investments that address, there's not casual wear, you have growth stocks, you have um, large cap, large value, you know, there's different types of stocks that address different areas. You have small cap stocks. So all that just means it's small, invest in smaller companies versus larger companies. You have growth companies, you have value companies and all that. So you want your portfolio to be diversified in those categories, just like you want your closet to be diversified in all the lifestyle categories that you have. I love that example, especially now that we're working from home, you need more loungewear. So you have to maybe change your portfolio a little bit. Exactly. (laughs) Or add to it, you know, because obviously you only had one type. That's like if you only had like Home Depot stock, for instance, and, you know, that's just consumer staples and it's a big company. You need some other things. You need some telecom in there. You need, you know, just other types of, of companies. Yes. And I'm assuming a financial planner is someone that could help you get into that and figure out what are the best ways to diversify your portfolio. Correct. Correct. And then also part of your financial plan, you'll have an investment segment. So your advisor will look at, make sure that you're not overweighted or underweighted in one area in your portfolio. So all that means, like, for instance, again, going back to the closet um, scenario, it's, you know, somebody going in there, making sure you don't have too many black pants, all from INC and, you know, not enough variety in it. So the financial advisor will do an analysis on your investments to make sure that that you're um, truly diversified and there's no concentration in one area. Another piece of financial planning that I think a lot of people are aware of, and I think we mentioned this before, is retirement, specifically 401ks, Roth IRAs. Why do those matter, especially as a young person? Why should I care about my retirement plans? A lot of times when you think about retirement, it's so far away. It's like 30 plus years away, right? That's a long time. So when you think about retirement, though, do you know you probably spend about 30 years in retirement? If you think about it, you retire at 65, and this is just general. People have retired at different ages. Let's say 65. You might live into your 90s. That's 30 years. So the amount, even though retirement's 30 years away, that's how much you're going to have to subsidize your income during that time period. And so, and during that time period, you also have inflation. And so a great example is, and we're talking about a 30-year time period. So a dollar in 1990 is worth $1.99 in today's term. So you have to factor in that inflation for that 30-year period. So that's why it's important to start now versus waiting five years before you retire. And when you are planning for your retirement, there's all these different options. Like like I mentioned before, 401ks, Roth IRAs. Is there any specific one you would recommend to young people or is it, again, a diversification type of situation? 
So, so definitely. So a lot of that, it's, it's regulated by the IRS. So Uncle Sam needs his money, and that's usually through taxes. And when you have a retirement account, like an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, the money isn't taxed right away. It's taxed, the traditional one, it's taxed later when you withdraw from it. And so the best thing, so with the IRS limits how much you can put in an individual IRA or how much you can put in a 401k because they want their money. They want the taxes, right? So you'll get your biggest bang by contributing to your 401k. Most companies, they have a traditional 401k. So that money comes out of your paycheck before taxes are taking out. And so that is really a benefit for you. Um, you could have your HR person run an analysis. If you had zero 401 contribution, what your take-home pay would be versus if you you know contributed the maximum. Now, if your company offers a match, that's free money and you definitely need to take it. So when you have all these retirement, and I know retirement's far away, definitely if your company has a company-sponsored plan, participate in it. Just go ahead and participate on it. And a lot of times if you're contributing to a 401k, you're limited to what you can contribute on an individual retirement account. It sounds like the key to all of this is start early. It really is. Because when you start early, you also have the benefit of compounding, right? And so I don't know if you've ever heard this question. It's, it's um, would you rather have a million in cash right now or a penny that's doubled in value every day for a month? And so most people will say, oh, I'll take the million in cash right now. But if you took the penny that doubled in value every day for a month, at the end of 31 days, you would have over $10 million. And so it starts off slowly, like by day 10, if you cashed out, it would only be, you know, $5.12. But by the time you get to day 20, it'll be over 5000 And then, you know, when it doubles again over that, that's where you start, you know, picking up the value. And so this just shows that, you know, by the time it's day 28, you surpass a million and then that gets doubled again. So all this shows is the power of compounding and just the importance of saving now. Well, for someone that wants to get started, what resources would you recommend to them? Oh, sure. There's So there's a lot of podcasts that's available as well as blogs. Of course, you can go to my website and um, transitionpt.com and I've got a blog and link to social media and all of that. But for investment specific resources, there's the American Association of Individual Investors. And so they have a website. Um, you know, general finance, I still think Dave Ramsey, he's kind of, he's old school. Well, some of his things are a little bit old school, but I think it's a good basis. And then when you find somebody that you want to work with, just kind of run some of the ideas by and just see whether or not it holds true for the lifestyle that you want. And keep in mind, when Dave Ramsey was writing his book and developing his concept, it was back when people bought a home and stayed in it for the rest of their lives, right? And so um, we're just more mobile as a society and there's just, just different concepts. But anyway, he's a good start. And then um, there's different blogs and podcasts. Um, CNBC has one. 
Kiplinger, your bank, whoever you use for your bank, whether it's Bank of America, Wells Fargo, or, you know, I think it's Truist is now SunTrust and BB&T. They, they will have information. A lot of them have started doing quite a bit of blogging and, and podcasts. Charles Schwab's always has a good one, Money Magazine. And then also the CFP website has some great information. So there's a lot out there. Just, you know, and listen to different ones because it's going to, you know, everybody's going to have their bias and it's up to you to listen to the different ideas that are out there and figure out what's, you know, what's the best for you and your lifestyle. Well, we are at the point in our podcast where we have this one question that we like to ask all of our guests. So Niv, I'm curious to hear, what is your purpose? My purpose is to help people take control of their money and life. That's it in a nutshell. I get, um, I'm very passionate about helping, helping people achieve that lifestyle that they want. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Oh, of course, Emily. Thank you so much. And then if you want more information um, or any of your listeners, you could go to my website, which is transitionpg, P is for planning, G is for guidance.com. And um, on there, there's links to my social media, as well as the blog with some general information, which is also very helpful. Fantastic. And we'll have that linked on our website. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I learned a lot and I hope you did as well. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.